You're listening to the We're Not Fine podcast with Doug Jensen and Dr. Talia Jackson. Doug, hey. are you still at the... <laughs> am, I... am I what? Are you in the cabin? I am not. I'm in my guest cottage which is at my home. And I'm away because we have a very limited schedule today. And I just got back from Boston a couple weeks ago. So I thought I'll just stay here and see how this works with my red refrigerator and countertop. But it looks very cabin-like. Well, I'm obsessed with the red Smeg. As you know, I'm a Smeg fan. But I like it when you're right there. In your chair where you belong, even though our audio is always worse. (laughs) <laughs> I like that as well, and I'm hoping to maybe by the next episode, I'll be back in the studio. I think you will. I foresee it in our future. Because we started so early, I am a little thrown off my game. I didn't get to do my 7,000 morning routine things that I usually do. Is that how you get how through your you? week? Yeah. It like- only takes me 7 million habits a day. <laughs> to get through the week. Yeah, I don't have 7 million. You know, part of the reason I'm in my guest house is because life has been just booked and scheduled and travel. I moved my younger to Chicago over last weekend after spending a couple trips there looking for apartments. That was like buying a house, but uh, very nicely situated. Amazing place. Chicago is an amazing city. So uh, I have just been running and running and running. So thus, I'm not at the studio this morning. But you're right, Talia, we need routine. We need, we need the same things every day. And I, I think even when, and I, 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 one of the things I'm aware of is that whenever we have an early, early day recording even, like I jolt out of bed, like, oh, am I late? So, you know, I think it's like missing your flight. I have this subconscious thing going on in my head. Greg, what's your or morning? Like, what's, what's your week been? Oh, just, I live and die by my calendar. I mean, yeah, yeah get up early, the gym, the regular get ready and be back in, in work mode by 7am. So all. how early are you waking up? What four. is your morning routine? Yeah. I wake what? up at four. Yeah. I wake up at four, kind of start to get acclimated to the day. Then I'm off to the gym by five and back by six forty-five, and generally in work mode by seven, seven fifteen, And yeah. I'm flabbergasted. Four o'clock I'm, is the middle of the night. I feel like that's not really an acceptable time yeah, to wake up. You're right, Talia. If I get up at four, it means I'm not sleeping. And I have right. sleep disturbance. If you wake up at four, I feel like people come in to see me because they're waking up at four o'clock in the morning. So something must with, be horribly wrong. ruminations and intrusive thoughts and, uh, and and fears. You know, the other thing is, Greg, I'm not a morning workout person. I just don't. I don't do it that way. I can't do it that way. So it just gets you going. It gets me it, it, so I, you know, I don't, I don't drink caffeine. So I need something. I need, (laughs) I need something. I'm sorry. I need something else to jolt me awake and sort of get my body going and moving. And, and that, 
that helps, you know, it's got to get those steps in. Got to <laughs> get those steps I had in. A really, amazing. But I had a really bad injury working out in the morning. I was so doped up, like with just tired that not doped up, but I was just so tired. I put like 90 pounds extra on my barbell and I, my shoulder, my, oh, <laughs> my rotator cuff ripped off and my arm was dangling and I'm like, okay, I'm going to work out more. I'm going to work on the treadmill. And it was like going back and forth. I'm like, there's something wrong. So, but yeah. that's like saying, I am never going to be in a relationship again because love hurt me rather than some jackass hurt me. You can't be like, I'm never going to have a morning workout again because I put on 90 extra pounds with my eyes closed. Actually, what? I say that about relationships and workouts. Oh, <laughs> actually, actually, there's a, there's a really great correlation between uh, my approach to the, the gym and what we all do here. Um, I, so it's kind of like CrossFit, but it's not, it's kind of like personal training, but it's not, it's, it's sort of a group situation that's focused oh, wow. on strength building. Oh. And so it's not about any one particular body part. It's about your overall strength, you know, throughout your entire body, but they, they watch what you do good and bad, you know? So if they see you mm. putting those weights on, they would say, what are you doing, Greg? <laughs> what, well, what are you doing? Or and you just, are you not putting enough on? Like, yeah, really, Greg? No, you need to add another twenty pounds. Like, no, pump it up. Yeah, that's not. That's not. So the know, accountability is there. Shared accountability. It's not, and it's not just the trainers. It's also you know the the five thirty crew as they as they're known by right. So wow, um, you know that we spot each other and help each other. I do what I have found over the years is that like I used to do a lot of what do they call that? It's like the procrastination that you're doing at night because you're that's your free time. So you stay up really late. The kids used to be sound asleep and then I would start my fun in the evening and now they're teenagers and they're up yeah. later than me. And so I have stolen my fun evening time. And now I'm trying to wake up at six o'clock in the morning, which is also sort of unacceptable to me. But that's my part. That's my new party. My new party, instead of like a cocktail and five bad episodes of whatever is now like 2000 supplements, coffee, a hour long walk with my dogs, which that is actually my peace of mind, my cornerstone of like a good morning. And it's the only exercise I'm really getting, but I love it. I live for it. So Doug, are you excited for today? And that is great, Talia. <laughs> Thanks, Greg. Thanks. I appreciate that. Am I excited for today because of the topic? <laughs> yes, because of the topic. Because I know Talia is excited. I'm a, I am excited. Um, but Talia, I want to, I'm sorry. I'm going to, I'm going to go back to your comment. You know, it's, it's like when people all, you know, I think most of us need some alone downtime. And you have to carve that out differently when you have kids or a partner or whatnot. So anyway, that was my only comment on that. That's a whole new episode. But yes, I am excited about today's topic because it has one of the four C's in it. And, you know, I, uh, I the four C's are chemistry, communication, compromise, and commitment. You can read more about them on my website. But, you know, the thing about it is we've, we've covered chemistry a little bit. We started talking about communication, but we realized the topic was so massive and there's so many elements of communication 
that we needed to do at least at this part two. And there's probably going to be a part three and a part four because, you know, there's so much, there's so many different elements of a relationship that need communication. So we're going to focus today, though, on some basic pieces of what, of what like communication is. Go ahead. Well, one of the first pieces, and of course, like Doug said, we could go on forever and ever. There are so many important parts of communication, but one that we want to talk about today is needs versus desires in a relationship. How do we even tell the difference? Because a lot of times we think something is a need when it's actually just a want. And it sets us up for so much disappointment in our relationships. If we're feeling like, wow, this person is always falling short. For instance, I'm thinking about like all of my years of doing work with couples and just their incredible disappointment when they're on a diet and their partner isn't interested in doing the whole 30 with them, or they're getting really into yoga, but their partner is sitting on the couch watching a show while they're going to yoga class, or they want to do something and their partner isn't into it. And so what do we even do with that, right? That's a problem. And so a part of it is just, we need to dig deep again and figure out like, what are the needs? What are the wants? So I would argue that a healthy relationship, you're getting a lot of your needs met outside of that relationship. Your relationship is not your everything. Your partner is not your everything. And you should be looking for the cherry on top of your already perfect, glorious Sunday that is you. And you are not a half of a whole. You're not desperately seeking the person who's going to give you motivation and inspiration. And every time you want to go on a diet, they're going to be right there with you. They might be your cheerleader, but I'm arguing maybe you don't need as much as you think. Maybe a lot of these are desires and maybe it's possible that if you're like, oh my God, all I want to do is play video games or like, I want a friend that wants to play basketball with me or watch horror movies or whatever it is. Maybe you need to look around and widen your group and see, is there anyone among my friends, my family who actually would be more fun to do this with than someone who doesn't really want to do this with me? That doesn't mean your partner doesn't love you. <laughs> Douglas, what do so you think? First- well, it, first of all, I need to excuse myself to go order a Sunday from Culver's on DoorDash. Um, <laughs> Not a cheesecake? Cherry. Oh, I could get cheesecake flavored, <laughs> whatever they make. Um, so here's the deal. Here's what I think about that. So it kind of goes back to our first communication topic, like when you start dating and when you start negotiating uh, what you're looking for in a relationship. I mean, that's where some of that comes in, Talia, that you referenced. Like some of that dynamic of like, you know, I'm someone who needs a lot of time for myself. I need video games. I need whatever. I want to shift it a little bit to the more communication-oriented piece of it, which is I think the bottom line need for any relationship is direct, honest, transparent, self-aware. I mean, those are words that come up for me a lot when you mm-hmm. start needing to communicate with your partner about absolutely anything. And, you know, I realize we're not going to get to all of the aspects of a relationship. I can't wait to talk about sex on one of these upcoming episodes. We're not going to get Same. to it today because it's such a big, big, big topic. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really requires communication. But I would say like all of the things you just referenced about what you need, I think all relationships do need open, honest, transparent, self-aware. And, you know, when I say self-aware, I feel like I'm, I'm saying something so simple and yet it's a really elaborate process. 
I think a lot of people have not been encouraged through their family of origin experiences or socialized experiences to be self-aware and to really be able to be uh, honest about who they are and what they want. I think it's a big task. And I wish for everybody to have that authenticity because it's an amazing way to live. And as I always tell people, the goal of therapy really is to live an honest life, whatever that is for you. So I love that concept, but it really requires that. Now, when it comes to that like whole kind of want thing, um, I also find myself going back to like, kind of like love languages and giving that some some care here because you know some people need affirmation, some people need physical touch to feel connected, and it affects that communication. So there's nonverbal, there's verbal, there's there's so many different types of communication that I think come into play here. But at the end of the day, it is about being able to communicate and express what you'd like from your relationship, which goes into that want category. But you get to want. And, you know, what you said, Talia, about like maybe your partner is not willing to do some things. Hopefully the physical touch is not in that category. But, um, you know, but the affirmations, maybe you get that somewhere else in your life. Maybe you get that from podcast viewers. Maybe Hint, hint. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, maybe you get that from, from the work that you do. Maybe you get that from friendships that you have. Um you know, we, we all nurture ourselves and nurture each other in different ways. So I feel like asking for it, though, is the right thing to do. And then again, when we get to compromise of the four C's, you know, that's where, you know, figuring out kind of what you're willing to live with in that regard becomes an important piece. I really want to jump on. We weren't even going to talk about the um, five love languages, but I feel like it is so crucial to think about like the wants versus the needs. They're so individual, not a single two people have the same desperate needs. Right. And so it doesn't make a lot of sense to us that somebody else. I mean, so real quick, the five love languages, right? Words of affirmation, physical touch gifts, quality time, and acts of service. Thank you. Thank You're you. welcome. That was a quiz. Not, I didn't just have a brain fart. Oh, I saw your blank stare and I'm like, I could help her out. Woo! Anyway, and so that's, what a, I have that's found, our team. That's our team. Go team. What I have found in my couples is that we mostly give what it is we're craving. Like I had a couple, for instance, that the husband was making her sandwiches every single day, these beautiful sandwiches. And that was how he showed love. He would wake up with her before she went to work because he, he was doing some seasonal stuff, didn't have to wake up, gave her all of his love in these sandwiches. And she's like, I don't want sandwiches. I don't want his fucking sandwiches. I want physical touch. I want sex. I want quality time. I want connection, but all I'm getting is these sandwiches, right? And so it's like setting ourselves up as, as a relationship to make sure it's like what I think about, and this is Gottman, of course, um, that like, you've got this love bank and his sandwiches were giving maybe $1, per sandwich into her love bank, but an amazing night of quality time and physical touch would have been like a thousand dollars in that love bank. Right. And it, when we're talking about communication, that love bank actually needs to be pretty full in order for us to not feel defensive or not to feel like if our partner has requests from us to not think that like, Oh, 
you're complaining or everything's wrong. But if that love bank is full, it will be like, oh, I feel so much generosity towards you. I would love to give you your needs, even though I don't understand them because I don't need words of affirmation. So I don't know why you would. Which goes back to like really communicating openly and honestly about what you need in that relationship. I want to go to this because, you know, it's a really, really fine line between wants and needs because we should get some of what we want in the relationship. I think if somebody need, and I'm going to use some examples too. Like one of the things I realize about myself is I don't transition well. Like if I'm seeing eight or nine clients a day, um, I come home and I have kind of a blank look. I always joke about going to my uh, younger's hockey games. And if I was in my business suit, my friends, uh, my other hockey parent friends would be like, okay, get Doug a drink. Cause he just got out of work. Cause I would sit and stare <laughs> at the rink or I would like yell, you know, crazy things, which didn't make any sense because I just was not in my mindfulness place. Um, and I need transition time. So, and I, I really mm-hmm. do. Um, you know, one of the things I do is I take jujitsu and, and it's really hard to get there if I'm cramming for time. Because I have to get in a mind space where, you know, I'm going to fight people. So I think there's a, and and learn skills, right? So I think there's a part of this where what we need as individuals really has to be communicated. And that almost doesn't become just a want. It's sort of a need. Like if somebody is expected Mm -hmm. to communicate right when they get home from work and they really need transition time um, in whatever way that they need to watch some silly, stupid show. I'm watching a show about stalkers. I'm not sure why I'm doing that, but I am. Um, yeah, Is that that's... also skill building? Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you'll find out. Uh, anyways, oh. uh, so, <laughs> so there's a part of this where I think that, that want can really be a need as well. And so it's about how you define that. And I am really, you know, I love the word communication. Go ahead, Greg. So two questions then. First being... If you're not, if your needs are not getting met, or at least if you're getting no needs met, Oof. is that even a relationship? So that's my first question to pose to both of you. And then the second is, how do you, how do you have those those authentic conversations when you're when you have feel like there's a barrier to communicating that? Like, what are the things that you know to to make that happen? So I'll step on both of those. Um, I want to say that it doesn't necessarily mean that there's not a relationship. I think relationships for lots of different reasons can go off course. And I think when people recognize that and, you know, some of those signals are that there's silence, intimacy diminishes, you know, you feel the strain, but you don't know exactly what it is. Your partner is responding in a different way than they typically do, or they just feel different as they move about the house or you're snipping at each other. I mean, there's a lot of different signals that people would naturally say, are causing them to feel like there's something unhealthy. But, you know, Greg, again, going to your question, it's not about that the relationship doesn't have hope. I think Tali and I have both seen in our office a number of relationships that just feel like we have either got to make this better or split. Well, it, point of order. Um, I'm yep. not saying not, I'm not, I wasn't saying lack of hope. I'm saying that if there is no possibility of your of a need or any needs being met and with the person that you're with, is that a signal that maybe you're not, you're not going to get you know, what yeah. you're looking for? I'm not saying that over time, everyone has obviously, you know, ups and downs and times, you know, ebbs and flows of when you, when you can get your needs met and other things that intervene and other, other factors. Right. But after a period of time, it would seem that there would be a recognition or should be a recognition that this hasn't changed in five years. It's not going to change in the next five years. 
<laughs> I might say that we won't know the answer to that until you try to have those conversations because it's possible that somebody has a really passive communication style or a non-existent communication style and that they're just hoping for the best that someone's going to pick up a hint or notice that their silence or their being withdrawn means something, right? But the reality is, is usually we get out of a relationship what we put into it. So I think that self-awareness is going to be key in, hmm, have I been withdrawing? Am I as funny, warm, loving, interested, communicative as I used to be? Am I as generous with my time? What happens often when couples have been together for a long time is, and even if you think about like with our kids too, it's like conversations start to sound a little bit like, how was your day? Fine. How was your day? Fine. What'd you do today? Nothing. What'd you do today? Nothing. And then that is like, that is the sound of a relationship dying on the vine, like <laughs> gasping for breath, right? And so we have to breathe life into those conversations. And we have to, because if you can start to orient your partner to your cast of characters, even if you are tired of work and you're bored by it, you breathe life into a relationship by pouring a little bit into it. And so if one of your desperate needs, wants is, I want to be able to have a partner that I can communicate with. I want to be able to vent to. I want to be able to laugh and cry with them. You got to start pouring stuff in. Be like, oh my God, you're not going to believe what happened today. One thing I've noticed about, I think, the difference between introverts and extroverts, and I could be totally wrong here. This is just a theory that I've made up, is that extroverts, because we're so other-oriented, I'm actually no longer an extrovert, but I, well, I'm a recovering extrovert. But because extroverts are so other-oriented, we move about our day already knowing that we're going to narrate this story and that story to somebody else. We think about the interactions, the things that we're seeing, the things that we're learning as like, oh my God, I can't wait to tell blah, blah, blah. I can't wait to tell this person or that person's going to laugh or, oh my gosh, thought of you thought because we're living sort of out loud in our heads. And I think that maybe, and I could be wrong once in a while I am, <laughs> <laughs> but that introverts they're having this really internal experience that they're not expecting to have to share with anyone. So people are more on a need to know basis. They're not going to be giving you all sorts of random details that you may or may not care about. Whereas extroverts are like ready with a Rolodex of stories that they want to share. Well, and this is what I think about that. I'm sure some of that is for sure accurate, right? Because someone's going to relate to that experience. But one of the things that I've come to understand about this whole introvert, extrovert lab label is that there's different ways of being both. And so I don't think everyone experiences that. I think, I think it's different for everyone. I, I think, you know, I consider myself an extrovert, but boy, do I need alone time in my hot tub to just think. 
you know, in the wild. So, I mean, I just, and, and, and I'm also very selective about who I spend personal time with because, you know, going back to that bank of like energy and resources. So I think everyone's different related to that, but it goes back to kind of communicating what you need and what, what your experience is. And I will tell you, like, if I was partnered with someone who came home and told me all of the stuff from their day, it's like, okay, wait, 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 wait. Like I've been listening all day. So I don't necessarily want, I'm not, I'm not available to have that rollout right now. Um, and my children have gotten so good at this. You know, I think my children are like, are you available for this? Which going back uh, to, I think, Greg, one of the things that you asked about, like, what do you do when you're experiencing this stuff? I think you have to, I, I, I would encourage people to check in with each other. Like, are you available for a conversation at this mm -hmm. point? Are you available? Because I have something I want to talk to you about. Um, and hopefully there's trust in that relationship enough to know that it's not going to be this big threatening which it might be, I guess, but, um, you know, if somebody's leaving a relationship, but, you know, you got to be able to use I feel statements as well. I mean, that was, that was the other thing that I was going to comment on, like own your experience, talk from an I feel experience. Every time I tell like really, really educated people use I feel statements, they all look at me like that seems so basic. And I said, just try it because it's, it's so powerful. hard. It's yeah. so hard. And yet it's so powerful when you say, I feel hurt or I feel angry, or I feel disappointed, or I feel like when you own that feeling. And I remember I was with a client one time who I brought out the feeling chart because it was somewhat difficult for that person to identify. And, you know, the person started crying and said, I just don't use those words at all in my life. Mm -hmm. And it was so powerful. And I think in relationships, you know, going specifically, Greg, to the question about like, how do you navigate some of those dynamics? Set aside time, make sure the other person is available. I have seen so many couples kind of push to have a communication when the other person is not ready, that's a disaster. Mm. That is just a recipe for disaster. Set aside time. I also, I'm a huge person as probably all of my clients know on family or couples meetings, like set aside time every single week to check in on the week's agenda on what you need this week. What does your, your schedule look like? Talia, you said something about how you tend to like think through those things. And, and I think that's really critical to let each other know kind of where you're at. And if you have a busy week, say it. I mean, I've been running and running, as I said, at the beginning of today's episode. And I, you know, if I had somebody, I'd be like, okay, I'm not available for anything for like three weeks, which is really hard for a relationship. So, I really, yeah. oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Greg. Uh, I, Talia, I was just going to say that I really liked your comments about extroversion and introversion because there are always differences. And to both of your points, those differences are not fatal. There are ways that you can sort of navigate around that because everyone is different in so many different ways. Yep. You just have to figure out how to make that work because you're never going to find someone that's a carbon copy of yourself, right? And and some people are morning people. Some people are not morning people. And, you know, there, it could be a thousand different things. But I, I love um, you pointing that out, especially because it is very different. And being an introvert, it's almost like I really do enjoy um, – my alone conversations and my thoughts and mm -hmm. being away from the people. <laughs> it's, 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 Greg, it's a distraction. Greg, who are you talking it, to when you're alone? <laughs> me, myself and I, it's, it's the, it's the fantastic. The best trio. conversation. The best conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I also, as a recovering extrovert, when I, you know, I very much enjoy those conversations in my own head and I laugh at my own jokes. I mean, it's really like a very validating experience. So, Can so I say, other, oh, go ahead. 
I was just going to comment on the introvert extrovert because, you know, a lot of times people will say they struggle with labels. And we know that the introvert extrovert scale comes from the Myers-Briggs, which the truth is, Talia, and you referenced this so nicely, you know, I think it changes. People vary as Mm -hmm. they go. And so our scales change. And if you take the Myers-Briggs 10 years apart from the first time, you're going to get different numbers. And so we are evolving as human beings, too. And that's why it's so critical in our relationships that are long term to really continue conversation and and keep the conversation going. Actually, Doug, that personality test, if you take it, it it can change week to week. Um, I've taken taken it uh, before and then gone to a conference where I had to speak. Yeah. And I, so as a speaker, as a participant in the conference with hundreds of people there, I had to be on, right? Which is yep. draining for, you know, when, when that happens to me, it's like my life force is sucked away during the day. And then I have to, that hotel room at night is just a, a yeah. you know, the re, the only recharge you have, but because you're, you're getting that pattern of changing yourself for a particular situation, you're, you're, te- if you take the test right after that, it, you, you're, if you're on the line or somewhere around that spectrum, it may change. So it, it is very fluid. And I think that's also a great point that people should recognize that, that in them in and of themselves, that sometimes there is some fluidity there, but to yeah. both of your points around communication and needing to be authentic and say these things and figure this out, what are some tips or exercises? I mean, Doug, you mentioned the, I feel statements, what are other exercises or tips that we can mm-hmm. take to work through these needs versus wants conversations? Um, I'd like to piggyback on that of, of what Doug said, and that it's incredibly important to own your own experience because the opposite of that is blaming. And so if you feel like I'm not getting my needs met because my partner is always busy, my partner doesn't seem to be desiring me the way I desire them. My partner is this, that, whatever. And it's their fault. They're the reason why I'm feeling a certain way. Then you're not really sitting in a place of owning those feelings of being self-aware. And so my suggestion would be sit with it for a second and decide what is it that I'm actually feeling? I miss them. I'm not mad at them. I miss them. Like I'm huffing and puffing and slamming the door and walking away and being difficult, but that's just because I'm really longing for this in our relationship or I miss the way it used to be. The perfect way to have these conversations is have these weekly meetings. It could be date night. It could be family meetings like Doug was saying, but I really highly recommend the idea of the shit sandwich, right? So if you have needs, desires, start with what's working, which also requires a little bit of perspective. It requires you owning your own stuff and then start with what's working, we have been doing such a good job with this thing we've been working on. You were so sweet and complimentary. That meant the world to me. And we haven't had sex for two weeks and I am desperately That's the shit wanting, part. needing. Right. Can we figure something out about that? And also you look great in those jeans. That's a shit sandwich. So you know what's so funny about that? I'm someone who doesn't need that sponge on either side or that flour or that gluten on either side. I am someone who benefits from it's just gluten. out with it. 
Yeah, but you're an eight and I I'm an a eight. seven. The I know. Enneagram. This is another reason why I'm obsessed with the Enneagram versus like the Myers-Briggs is because what, Greg, what you were talking about of like leaving us room to grow and change, the Enneagram when you figure out what your type is, they will show you the gradations of health. You will know like, Ooh, this is my type and the unhealthy version looks like this and it will make you feel really gross and slimed. And then the average version is like, yeah, most of us live there. And then the healthy version of our types, very aspirational. And that's like, us as the Dalai Lama, but it's all good stuff in terms of like, that's us reaching our highest health capacity, which by the way, I am now an affiliate of truity.com. And I don't remember, maybe Greg, you could put it on our website later, but if anyone wants to take an Enneagram test, figure out what type you are. I'm obsessed, madly in love. It will change your world. I think you've mentioned the Enneagram before or maybe 10 million times. Um, And, you know, there are and 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 while I appreciate every support you have of that, this is what I think about, Italia, like for you to tell me that you would need me to say, I really love your glasses. This isn't working for me. And then but I like your denim shirt. I I, so it's kind of funny to me because, again, (laughs) it wouldn't work for this person. Like, I just need someone to be direct. I would feel like they were placating me or condescending if they had to, like, approach me carefully. So I just want to say everybody is different. Right. And I think that's the beauty of communication. Yeah. So what's interesting about that, and it goes back to like, we give what it is we're craving, right? What it is we're needing. Because I think like as a seven in the Enneagram, where good vibes at all costs is sort of my default. Or else if somebody is coming at me with only criticism or only negative. So it's like your idea that you always say of like, if you see something, say something. I'm like, do you have to? Do you have every time you see something? Like maybe zoom out a little bit. Like, do you, like, can't you notice and keep it to yourself or like write it down on a piece of paper. Like don't ruin my vibe. You don't have to tell me every time I'm bugging you. So, but here's the, no, I appreciate that. It is really interesting, <laughs> right? Cause yes, I was for people who can't see this, if it's not on YouTube, um, you know, I was shaking my head. I absolutely believe you should say everything that you need to say, because one of the things I worry about and I've seen in relationships, right. When it builds up, Like the more you hold on to or the more you suppress or the more you sweep under the rug, because I'm going to call it that, you know, the more you sweep under the rug. And there's a nice way of saying, there's a kind, considerate, regarding way of saying everything. But, you know, everyone is different. And that's the beauty of negotiating what your communication and relationship is, you know? So this is my suggestion. I'm so sorry, Greg. I feel like I'm going, I'm going to lose it if I don't say it. But this is my suggestion. Before you see it and say it, give yourself like 24 hours to sit on it. If it's like something that is still after 24 hours, really eight out of 10 or higher bugging you, say it in a loving way. When your nervous system is calm and you're not like, God damn it, he did it again. 
I need to tell you, you did this thing again. That not that that's how you would talk, Doug. But like, yeah, give it some time. Give it some time. Do I have to say this right in this moment while I'm activated? Can I wait until my nervous system is calm and then I'm going to see if it's still as bothersome to me and then I'll say something because it really is something that will build if I don't say something. But if it's not, and it was just in that moment, you felt some pang of something and then it goes away. I say, let it go away. You don't have to tell them everything that bugs you. So in, in summary, what are the activities that people can take away to have these conversations? What I would say is really think about, you know, in your relationship that you're in, if you're in one, really think about like what's working, what's not working and take a moment and think, is there something I need to address in my relationship that will likely build into something that could cause problems in the long run and continue to erode the uh, physical or emotional intimacy of my relationship and make sure that you set aside time to say, I just want to check in on us. I really think, and you know, some people use therapy for that. Like I've found a lot of people benefit from a third party. And I've had couples that have been together 20 years, couples that have been together six months, uh, couples that are considering being in a relationship. And they want to know, like, what are, we, what are we missing here? What do we need to fill in in terms of the cracks of our relationship in order to feel like we can grow and we can move forward? So I would say, Greg, do, a, do an assessment of your relationship. And that means checking in with the person you're with. You know, sit down and say, how are we doing? And I don't care where you're at in your relationship. Take time to do that. And as you referenced, Talia, date night, that's a great way of doing it. Mm -hmm. Just go on a date night and just say, so how are we doing? What do we need to address? What's not working? It is striking to me, whether it's finances or sex or, you know, wanting to get a second home or dissatisfaction in one's career. You know, there's a, there's a million things on that list, but you have to take time to check in. I love it. And I'm thinking about just, you know, Gottman talks about the ratio of like five to one. So uh, over the course of time, if you look at your relationship and there's a five to one ratio, five times as many beautiful, sweet, connected, loving moments to one negative, angry, disconnected, hostile moments, you're, you're doing okay, right? It's not a crisis. You're doing okay. And so even if you're thinking about a slow course correcting towards that five to one ratio. And then sitting with yourself quietly to figure out like, what are the wants and what are the needs? Because if you're not getting your needs met, those are the deal breakers. So you've got to figure out what your deal breakers are. But I don't think that you can fairly say, I'm not getting my needs met, I'm not getting my wants met, unless you've actually communicated them. So first, you need the self-awareness. You need to figure out what that means, what that is to you. How important is it to you? Is it something that could be met by other people in your lives? Great. Do it. Otherwise, it needs a conversation. And can you figure out a way to say, like, in a kind way, not you're not doing these things for me that I need, but do you know what I'm craving? Do you know what I'm wanting? Do you know what I'm needing? It'll land better probably. And then if you're finding that the person that you're talking to gets really defensive or doesn't have a lot of interest in what you're telling them, I'd be a little more concerned. If there doesn't seem to be a good way to ask for your needs or your wants, that's more of a concern. 
one caveat to that, and, and I realize we probably need to wrap this one up, but one caveat to that is you want to check with your partner first about the needs that you might be exploring with other people because it can really dissolve a relationship as well if you're not checking in and saying, so I'm, I'm feeling the need to kind of do this. Do you want to do that with me or should I look outside of the relationship? I think assuming that maybe you have to go outside of the relationship for something can also hurt and disappoint and create disconnect in that relationship. So it's all about communication. I mean, kind of keep coming back to that because that's the bottom line. Have a question for Doug or Talia. Email us your questions at questions at Eligible questions will be randomly selected for upcoming episodes. For details, visit our website at we'renotfine.com. Join us every Tuesday for new conversations, new challenging topics, and fun.